Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Welcome back. You have probably somewhere, somehow heard something about the law of attraction. I would be surprised if you hadn't. Um, I think the first time I was introduced to it was back in 2008 at my first out-of-college job working at a chiropractor's office. And ever since then, I've sort of skirted the line of, I'm going to be totally honest with you, of skeptical and curious. I've been skeptical as to whether or not it's legit and whether it works for me personally, um, and also really f- interested and curious about like how it can help to create more momentum and joy and happiness and success in my life and just as an individual. So this actually might surprise you. Uh, Maybe not at this point. Probably nothing surprises you at this point. But I actually ghost wrote an entire book on manifestation for someone uh, two years ago. The book was, it wasn't just like the kind of manifestation that we sometimes see, which is like think happy thoughts and you'll get happy things or dream about Lamborghinis and you'll get one tomorrow. This book was really about like unpacking the core wounds, the deep things, the uh, emotional blocks that are getting in our way and preventing us from feeling how we want to feel and getting what we want out of life. And so it was it was a fascinating right. It was a fascinating learning opportunity for myself. Um, I did experience like looking into some of that old crap that holds me back and limits what I believe and what is possible for me. So for this month of accountability here on the She Built This podcast, and maybe this could have fit better into last month's about curiosity, but I think it's a good little mix here. Um, I thought it was very fitting to dive into this topic of how we get in our own way with our feelings, with our thoughts, with our beliefs as business owners. And you might hear in my interview I'm not totally over that skeptical hump yet. Like I'm a little trepidatious of venturing into these waters because A, I've never done this on this show before and um, B, it requires me to get really honest with myself about what is getting in my way of believing and that the very best for me is possible. So trepidation has never stopped me from doing anything and it has never stopped me from interviewing someone about something that I really want to learn about and it's most certainly not going to stop me now. So I decided on that note to invite today's guest JJ Flazanes on to talk with us about the law of attraction and what I really love about the message that she shares is how it's going to reframe possibly the way that you think about it. It is not what you think. JJ shares so much around how it not only helps us in our lives, but it also can help to service in our businesses as well. And I will say, I think that this is conversation numero uno, number one of a few that I'll be having. So all that I ask is that you just keep a really open mind, soak this up, and start to practice, like experiment in your own life with some of the things that JJ offers in this episode. Um, One of the other pieces that we dive into like instantly is rethinking people pleasing, which I just think you are going to find fascinating. And I know that I usually, I just started recently doing this Emily's Hot Takes uh, section at the end as part of my new little format here, but my conversation with JJ was lengthy in a good way and really, really rich and in-depth. So Instead of doing a hot takes for this episode, I just want to invite you to share your own hot takes and your thoughts with me after you listen. You can send me an email at emily at emilyaborn.com or connect with me at one of the links in the show notes and just share your thoughts and questions with me. I really want to hear them. And somebody recently asked me uh, in regards to an email when I said like, hit reply to share something 
they were like, do you really want people to hit reply? I was like, yes, I really do. And I really want you to email me and share your thoughts. So now without further ado, I will introduce my guest, JJ Flazanes, an empowerment strategist and the creator of the Empowering Minds Network. JJ Flazanes works with conscious spiritual truth seekers who want to remove emotional blocks to success. She helps people identify sabotaging patterns and transmute their struggle into joy. Through a series of clarifying exercises, she's able to create a personalized roadmap to emotional healing. And what I love most about JJ, what I think you will very clearly hear in this episode with her, is how passionate she is about empowering you with the knowledge and awareness of how you can live the life of your dreams. Hi, JJ, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. I'm excited to be here. And I know before we hit record, you were telling me that I had a binge-worthy podcast. Um, I want to hear about what you chose, if that's okay. I, I'm, I always like to know when I start a conversation with someone and we go down a deep, deep path, which I know we're going to, um, for your listeners and for you, what kind of topics were you looking for? Well, you already stole a question right out of my mouth. Um, one of the the episodes that I really, really loved, I, I could not for the life of me tell you what the title was or like who you were talking to, but you had a one line like zinger in there about people pleasing and how when we are people pleasing, like many of the times, most of the times we're doing it out of a place of like expectation or like what we want in return. Like it's not, it's actually like kind of shysty when you, when you broke it down like that, it was like, oh my God, this is totally not about just like being a people pleaser. This is about like tit for tat basically. Um, and I really loved how you reframed it and focused it on more of just like, if you want to do the thing, do it because you want to do the thing, help somebody because you want to help them give somebody something because you want to give it to them, but don't do it because you expect something in return. And so I don't even know what episode it was or who you were talking to, but that for me was like, definitely when I needed to hear that day. It's evolved so much, and I feel like that was probably an older episode, not because I wouldn't say it now, but as I hear you talk about it now, I think about the work I'm doing now and how people-pleasing is a reaction to usually an abandonment wound. So <laughs> when someone has a, a core wound of being abandoned, one of the things in order to attach and connect and feel loved and seen and heard uh, is people-pleasing. But the reason I think I recorded that episode initially was in working through to get where I am now, a lot of people, because I would see it as being out of integrity with who you are and what you really want, because people pleasing, because I have so many friends in the past who've done this, like they'll, they'll go, oh, my mother <laughs> um, is one of them. People that give and give and give, and they're, it's a classic rescuer, mm -hmm. they give and give, and and then they'll get upset about something that they never asked you to do. They just assumed because they were trying to manipulate how you saw them. So people pleasing just basically is one of those tactics. It is. It's a manipulation. It is a shysty manipulation that you think somehow, and it comes out of a core wound, that if you do something that the other person wants, and remember, this is all temporary because they're just showing you in the moment that they may like or enjoy whatever you did. But the minute you're like you walk away or the next day, like they don't care or maybe they also people pleased and lied. So it's this control. It's like we have such control issues of wanting to control our environment, our situations, people's reactions. And we're often not acting out of being in alignment with ourselves and being in integrity with our deepest desires, our truest truth in that moment. And, but we mask it as, oh, but I'm a nice person. Oh, but I'm such a nice person. I always think of others first. And then the minute that you have a situation where the other person didn't think of you first, you're like, oh my God, how, why did they do that to me? That was so rude. That was so hurtful. It's all this unspoken BS. So I'm glad that that kind of penetrated because I say a lot of things that can either turn you off or turn you on on my show. 
Well, one thing I do love about how you present the information is it is, it is, um, what the, ha, uh, we'll get into this more because I actually want to hear some of this in your, in your words, but it is a little like, I'm going to say esoteric, but at the same time, I like that you bring things through like a logical and analytical brain. Like I feel like you've done your research and so I can appreciate it. Like I'm like, okay, she actually knows her stuff. And it is also some people might say, woo. Right. Like it's like having a I have like a toe in the woo. So it's a nice balance for someone like me. Well, I definitely come from an analytical left brained most recently, not my whole life, but in the last 20 years of studying sciences. And there's actually nothing more scientific than epigenetics and law of attraction, which is quantum physics. But because people don't understand that, they just consider it like you just said, woo, but every woo literally has a science behind it. And yeah, and it can all be boiled down quite, quite neatly into, into like big categories that because no one's ever taught it to you or you don't understand it, it, you just dismiss it. People dismiss sciences they aren't familiar with. And there's nothing more real than energy nothing. We are all energy. And so, I mean, that is physics. So, but people, again, but people don't really, again, because it's energy and you can't see it, you think it's not real, even though no one would argue with you about gravity. You know, we can't see gravity, but you know, it's real. So it's about moving into the consciousness of the masses, which takes forever. And we don't even care about the masses because they take so long anyway. Uh, we want to be on the leading. Yeah. We want to be out on the leading edge. We don't really want to be in the middle. It's it just like moving like a cow. It's like, like moves so slow. And a lot of people that I attract are usually seekers, seekers of information, seekers that intuitively know there's something better. There's something more. I I don't have to live like this. I don't have to feel like this. There has to be a solution. There has to be something better than this. And they're looking for truths. And that's who I seem to attract. Okay. Can you tell a little bit about, so what is, I read your bio before you joined us, but um, in your own words, like what is an empowerment strategist? And like a little bit about maybe your backstory, how you got into what you're doing now. Okay, I'm going to go bullet point to make this because this is not part of the story. I I mean, I love telling it, but you know, once you tell it so many times, you're like, okay, I'm, this is old news. But I know for the, a lot of you, you don't know me. So let me let me tell you. Uh, astrologically, I'm a Pisces. And for anyone that knows astrology, Pisces are the last of the signs, which makes us – we have everybody's good stuff and everybody's bad stuff. So it makes us very sensitive. can also make us very psychic and very wise. Uh also make us very addiction prone. But so I have a lot of like emotion, let's just say right brain connection emotion. And I was a singer and a dancer, used my body most of my life, loved loved the Englishes, not the sciences, even though I did fine. But my left brain wasn't really cultivated because it was boring and it had no attachment to my life. So while I wanted to be smarter in math and science, it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't see why I would need it like in my real life, my day-to-day life as a teenager or as a young adult. Now, fast forward, I went to school for musical theater. So I'm singing and I'm dancing, but I'm starting to notice that I also like to, to problem solve and I need to focus on something in a different way, not knowing that was my left brain. So when I got out of college, I knew that I didn't want to necessarily wait tables, no disrespect to waiting tables, but I wanted to figure something out and I've always cared about my body. I've always cared about my health. I've always been a forward thinker and seer. Like you can see someone in their 80s or 70s who has taken care of their body over time. Mm -hmm. And you can also see very quickly who has not. All you have to do is look at a person 20, 50 years older than you, and you get to make a decision about what you do now affects how you age and what you look like and what you act like and what's going on with you in 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. So having that sort of forward thinking and vision, I wanted to become a personal trainer. And that happened in a weird kind of way. But anyway, I became a personal trainer, started to learn sciences. And the minute I started to learn sciences mechanically, because it was my body and biomechanics and physics, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm smart. I understand this. Like the like all of a sudden the sciences that were boring to me and I didn't get excited about that didn't mean anything to me now had very personal meaning in my body. So then I became hugely left-brained into the sciences of the body, physiology and biochemistry and biomechanics and physics and and uh, everything un- under that uh, biochemistry. So I looked at all the sciences there and I then 
was personal training as well as I was using my right brain in a expressionistic kind of, you know, my emotions and allowing my, and using my body and being in my body. So we're going to fast forward to that as a trainer and as a curious person who wants to learn more and understand. I'm, I'm a true truth seeker. I have like three Sag planets. Um, and so I just want to know like what the truth is. And I question things. I've always questioned things, not in a completely annoying way, because I don't really ask people that can't answer the question, but looking hmm. at like, why did I go to, why do we go to this church? Why do they go to that church? Why do they do that? Why do we do this? <laughs> like I would just ask what I would think would be kind of logical questions versus just, I didn't accept that my mother would say, well, because I told you so. I think I remember being like 10 or 12 and saying, that's not an answer. I'm not going to just do it because you told me so. If I agree with your reasoning, I will not do it. If I don't agree with your reasoning, I'm going to continue to do it. <laughs> so uh, so from a young age, I sort of bucked that system of the I told because I told you so BS. So we move into the training and I've got clients with back pain and neck pain and shoulder pain and Again, I'm pretty good at the science, so we've done the scientific things. We've had, you know, adjustments. We've had muscle balancing exercises and ways to test that to see if everything's okay. We've had hormonal tests, and I'm not finding something in my current toolbox that helps somebody who has back pain that I can't explain. So I had been fortunate enough to have a friend work with Dr. the late Dr. John Sarno, and this person had spent, I don't know, maybe a month not being able to get on a plane. And he stayed with me in Hollywood when I first moved here back in 2000. And then and I, I was with him during his sort of his protocol. He'd go to physical therapy, he'd go to chiropractic, he'd go to acupuncture and nothing really ever made it go away. And then and a friend had tried to get him to read a book called Healing Back Pain. And the first time he looked at it, he threw it out. He was mad about it because the book makes you think that it's in your head. And he's like, this is not in my head. I have a MRI that says I have a pinched nerve and I have a disc that's bulging and this is medical. But once you go through two years of, you know, different kinds of therapies and things, you and you're getting close to having your body opened up surgically, you get a little closer to being open to reevaluating things. So somebody else had given him the same book. He read it on a train on the way back home from New York City to Connecticut. And by the time he was done, 50% of his pain had gone away. And then he proceeded to work with Dr. John Sarno about four times, and it was a mind-body connection issue. It was him repressing rage. And I, and I learned that. I kind of knew that intuitively, but I didn't have any information or data to prove that, let's say. And But that, along with just my personal experience and intuition, sort of led me down that path of the mind-body connection and understanding how emotions affect healing and disease, how we create disease through our emotions. And it was another tool to help me dive deeper into, like most people who work out, not most, let me take that back. I can't, I can't make that claim. Many people that work out do it because they care about what they look like. And yeah. while, yes, that was me too, that isn't who I am. And my first book was written to sort of talk about the self-care journey from self-love, not from self-hatred. And I think there's, to me, there's like a line in the sand of people that do self-care because they don't like themselves and they want to look better so they can get love. And by the way, that is so screwed up, that whole thing. Um, it doesn't work. And then there, and then there, I, what I wanted to push, what I wanted to promote was coming from a place of self-love and respect and self-care because then it's sustainable and you're doing it kind of for the right reasons. Like, like going back to the conversation about people pleasing and integrity, like when you're, when you care about you and you're anchoring in that relationship, you want to do it because you don't want to be the 70 or 80 year old who's a mess because they didn't take care of their body because you respect your body. So go through fit to love and all that stuff. And I just started, and I've always been psychologically oriented as a Pisces, like understanding emotion, communication. Why do I feel this way? Why do I act this way? Why did I react that way? That's always been me. And so I just, and astrology, whatever, all the things. And so I just started to keep learning and I, you can say I went deeper in the dive, or you can say I ascended higher or wider in the collection of information and sciences to explain 
sometimes what people think are the unexplainable. So I look at emotion as energy as one of the most important things we can ever talk about, think about, work on, because it's the reason we do everything. And all of that to say, as a trainer, I didn't have the right clientele to use my gifts in that way. I would coach them, but they really didn't want to be coached. Uh, and it would be very frustrating. And so back in 2014, I thought, all right, I they love me. They put up with me. They don't really want this. Who wants this? I felt like a backed up mm. hose creatively. Like I felt like, oh my God, I have so much stuff I want to share and I don't have anybody to share it with. And that is why I started my podcast in 2014 was to put all my content somewhere <laughs> that I could either share with others or see who else wanted to talk about this stuff. And, and that was kind of where it started. So I moved into like dealing more with emotions because that, I mean, not that I still don't do health things. I do, but I am no longer a personal trainer. And you asked me about like what an empowerment strategist is. So going through the iterations of training, I had many different brands that I toyed with. I mean, at one point I was an exercise architect because most trainers don't have the same biomechanical sciences because they don't have to. <laughs> Quite honestly, you can just go take a certification, never set foot in a gym, never work with a person, and you are a certified personal trainer. So I really wanted to accentuate my science brain in that way. And I called myself an exercise architect for a while, but that doesn't include the emotional piece. And that ultimately to me is that supersedes everything. So when I was looking for a new brand years ago, I thought, all right, I'm definitely like a balanced brain and I want to encourage everyone to be using both actually all four parts of your brain. And I would love to, to have something that represented that. So to me, the word empowerment is a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a state of being. It's about finding freedom and power. And when I mean power, I don't mean power over anyone else. I mean power within yourself. Channeling, utilizing, realizing your own gifts and energy and power within you that you already have innately. That was the empowerment piece, which felt more like right brain. And then the strategy piece, so I'm also very linear and analytical and strategic and structured and I have reasons for things. And I think that we need both of those things. So that's kind of how the empowerment strategist was born. You talked a lot about, I, I do want to get into the podcast in a little bit, but you talked about like the body and the emotions being in the body. But to paint sort of like a like a picture of what I'm doing on the podcast this month, do you know, are you familiar with the Taylor Swift song? It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. I don't know if I am. <laughs> I, a lot of times I hear music and I don't know if I know the words or the name of the song. So I might be. I'm I'm barely familiar with it. I'm familiar with it because I've seen it as a reel. But basically, in so many words, it's like we're usually the problem. Like we're usually the one getting in our own way of joy and success or where we want our businesses to go or our lives. So I would love to, I guess, kind of like unpack that a little bit and ask um, how this relates to what you do and how you see people sort of being their own problem and blocking themselves. So there is a quote from a, what do I even call Abraham? Uh, Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks, channeling Abraham, spiritual motivator, because they don't want to, they don't want to be called spiritual leader, that I know for sure. But when I was introduced to this body of work, and I heard for the first time in 2002 as I was driving my car to a client in the South Bay or beyond, maybe Newport Beach or whatever. So I had like a lot of driving time. <clears throat> and this is before podcasts for me. And so I was listening to CDs and stuff. And I heard this phrase. You are the creator of your own reality. Now, I've said it so much that it has no impact on me anymore because it's literally what I, what I live. But when I heard that, I should have slammed on the brakes, <laughs> but I was probably driving 60 miles an hour. I thought, oh, my God. It was very activating for me and activating in the way that said, okay, it resonated. I didn't question it. I just thought, okay, this is good news. If I'm the creator of my own reality and I don't like my reality, I can change it. So it felt very possibility driven. And then after, I mean, I've been doing Abraham work since then. So that's what we're at 20 years now. And when I would say it to other people or on podcasts, I also could feel and know that some people are going to hear that the exact opposite way that I heard it. They're going to hear, it's my fault that I did all these things and something's wrong with me. And that isn't what I mean at all. And that wasn't what was meant when it was said anyway. So when I heard you're the creator of your own reality, 
I went, cool. <laughs> Let me learn how to change it. So do I agree that you're the problem? Freaking yeah, all the time. I just got off of a, an application call with someone who, it was our second conversation about a program I'm doing, and she's done a lot of work. And that's who the program's for, people that have done a lot of work on themselves, but still are living core wound patterns. And she said, well, I kind of know all this. You know, haven't I already done this before? And, and I said, okay, but have you, have you actually done the hard things that get you, like I heard her interpreting something the same way. We can go through an entire 20 years of therapy, which isn't very effective, by the way, unless, of course, you love your therapist and you're a completely different person who reacts completely differently in all situations and you love them. Most talk therapy is ineffective. And I have a whole masterclass on why. And I want to add two more to it because the deeper I go with this, the more I keep uncovering the ridiculousness of some of the structure and what we expect and what actually happens in those kinds of sessions. But I heard her talking about a core wound. She said, do you really think a core wound can be healed? And as I heard her talk about it, I, I got the sense that, oh, she keeps interpreting it the same way. And that's, therein lies the problem is that if you, there's multiple versions of every story you can think of. And when we go into looking at life from a lens that says I'm the victim, things just happen without my control, that's not a story you're ever going to feel good about. You only have two ways of looking at life, in my opinion. One is that things just happen. It's random. You have no control over it, which means you're a victim. And from that victim position, even if there are things that you believe randomly happen, when you're in that victim position, it's uncomfortable. You are powerless. But if you decide to take the extreme opposite point of view, which is that I'm the creator of my own reality, and now you're responsible for every feeling, thought, manifestation that happens in your life, even past your logical mind can explain any of it, whether it's true or not, you have power and you have something to do about it. That's it. You're either a victim or you're powerful. What about, okay, so what about like a snowstorm or a tornado? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Like I'm thinking big picture here, but is that something that gets lumped into this or is that separate from No, this? it can. But again, if we're looking at a thunderstorm as a bad thing, a thunderstorm- Oh no, I'm talking like a major, like, I don't know, your house caving in from a snowstorm, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if we're going that big, I'd want to go deeper into sort of the context of that first. Like, I'm not going to make some sweeping generalization that, uh, you know, your house caving in was because you had negative thoughts about X, Y, and Z. That like, it's not quite that simple, <laughs> but okay. um, it could be though, we could trace a story back that said that you bought this house because you didn't think you could afford more and it's in a place, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, I I could find a potential possibility, but here, forget why it happened or if you, if you manifested it or if you didn't, this whole point of view and practice means that when it happens, instead of literally saying, why me? This always happens to me. I have the worst luck. I must be a bad person. I'm never going to feel, I'm never going to be successful. It's never going to get fixed. I'm always going to be this way. Okay. That would be the victim mentality. Or you could look at it and say, okay. Well, wonder what the silver lining is here. Maybe I'm going to get a new yeah. roof. The insurance company is going to pay for a new roof that I've wanted for 10 years. Isn't that awesome? Oh my God, we're going to get to move. I have the excuse I've been looking for to move to a warmer climate. <laughs> like, like you, you, and looking for possibility is you opening up to another interpretation, which always will feel better and give you power to do something different. Okay. Thank you. I like that you uh, entertained my wacky example because it actually really did help. So if you had like, I don't know, like a, let's just assume that a lot of my listeners have not experienced creating their own realities. Like where do you even start? So you obviously start by opening up to the possibility that it could be the case, right? But where do you start in creating a reality that you are just like really, really excited by and that feels joyful and that feels successful? So this answer is, is going to be as general, as inclusive as I can make it, uh, which I would say is not necessarily the best way. I mean, obviously, you can go to my podcast and I have a ton of tools and you can start there and it's free. But when, when we're looking at how do I create my own reality, there are two major sections, levels, if you will, of consciousness in your brain. And that's your conscious brain, the things that you're aware of that you think of, which is about 12% of your conscious mind. 
And those are, again, the thoughts you're thinking right now, like, what am I going to have for dinner? Is it going to stop raining today? <laughs> like whatever, whatever mind chatter you're aware that you have. And then there's the 88% of your subconscious mind, which are the beliefs and things that run the, run the show. They're the, they're the foundation of, of who you are and what you believe, but you may not even know what they are because they were mm. really established between the time you were born or in the womb until, or actually maybe possibly before that <laughs> in a, uh, in, in, anyway, we won't go down that path. That's way too woo for you right now, but, um, in the womb or up to let's say 10. All right. And definitely major traumas after 10 can help solidify a belief or create a belief that wasn't there before because of you trying, your brain trying to make sense of it. So you have these subconscious beliefs. And for a long time, I was all about subconscious, subconscious, because it's 88%, of course, subconscious, subconscious. <laughs> and I've done that work. But, and I've sent people to do that work. And people have done hypnosis and people have done energy healing and Reiki healing and all kinds of stuff. But they come out and they still interpret life the same way which when you interpret a situation the same way, you're going to be back to the same feeling. It may not be as as, as strong as it was before or as debilitating as it might have been before, and it may feel a little bit better, but ultimately the interpretation creates the feeling. You don't just walk around catching a feeling. You, the feeling gets created because it's something that you observed or thought of or remembered, and then you made Based on your information, you made an interpretation. And from that interpretation and its relationship to you, you made it mean something which created a feeling. So we have to look at why you do what you do. And and when, you, when you're not aware of some of those subconscious beliefs, trust me, you will manifest things to show you what they are. You'll manifest that you don't have trust, that you you have scarcity of time, money, or love, that you don't respect yourself or your time or have good boundaries. They will surface. You will be able to see them in what you attract. You may not know them, but you'll start to see them in the situations that you get yourself involved in. So you can either just sort of notice your manifestations or you can be a little proactive in deciding mm. to get into alignment and search for a better feeling, search for a better interpretation. That doesn't mean ignore negative feelings. Please, I, I the work I do right now is about literally digging into your core wounds for three to six months. It's a deep dive. But it isn't to stay there. It isn't to activate negative feelings and and then like stay stuck in them. It's to transmute them. It's to take that energy and to learn something and evolve your interpretation so that you can place it. So in terms of where does it start? Uh, again, I've been podcasting for this long because there's always a new tool. There's always something to share. And I think the entry point for any person really just comes to whatever you're interested in. And again, I have a lot of law of attraction type episodes on spirit, purpose, and energy that it sort of talk about this, probably at least 20 in the first like 50 that are all about manifestation. So I might start there. Um, but this is a pretty deep dive. It really goes into ultimately, I mean, what I'm doing now. I mean, we, we manifest where we are. You don't manifest what you want, which is why the secret for a lot of people didn't work because they thought, oh, all I'm supposed mm. to do is get excited about making a million dollars and <laughs> I'm going to put it on my wall and then I'm going to make a million dollars. Like, no, that is not how it works. You have to, it's about a frequency and, and vibration. And those two things, those energetic expressions are emotion. It's what dominant emotion do you emit all the time that then brings things to you of like frequency. And if you're a happy person and you get a lot of great experiences, cool, keep going. And when a negative thing happens, then it has information for you. But if you're someone who's trying really hard to find happiness, and you don't know how to cultivate it already within you, then you're probably attracting a lot of things you don't like or make you really uncomfortable. And that's going to be a cycle you can't break out of when you think you need the thing to get the feeling. Let me give you one really great quote that I want everyone to write down. Okay, you're gonna write this down, or you're gonna or you're <laughs> gonna repeat it every day. The only reason you want what you want is because you think you'll feel better when you have it. Okay, I got it too, everyone. So don't worry, it'll be in the show notes. The only reason you want what you want is because you think you will feel better when you have it. Now, let me just talk about that for a second, because I've said that in a couple of places where I think it got misunderstood, like, okay, then don't want it. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you, In order for you to get what you want, you have to be at the frequency that it's at to receive it, to even 
be aware of it. So you have to be at the emotional state of allowing or wherever that is, wherever that exists. So, but you can't get there with, with getting it because you're not, you're not there yet. So you're really just searching for the feeling. So if you can just get to the feeling first, you don't even need the thing. And then you end up getting the thing because you're already there. So we have the tools already at our disposal to feel all the feelings you think you have to wait for because you need X, Y, and Z to appear in your experience in order for you to feel those things. That's where it's backwards. So manifestation really is about that you'll get, you get where you are and where, you, where you're at, not what you want, because what you want lives in a different place than you're currently living. It lives in a, in a happier state. It lives in a calmer state. It lives in whatever and, you know, fill in the blank with the word. But in order for you to grow into someone who can receive that, it's like the people that win the lottery. I say this all the time. It's a classic example of most people, not all people, who win the lottery, lose it and go into debt within the first couple of years. Why? Because they didn't, in their subconscious, they didn't earn it and they don't know how to receive it. So all of a sudden, it, they're, like emotionally, how they handle it is almost, again, guilt or shame or like they just can't hold on to it because they didn't kind of work themselves into that state where they can receive it. That happens with love all the time, too. People sabotage themselves in health plans and weight loss, in love, in money, because you say you want it, but you haven't emotionally created a container to receive it and hold on to it. Oh, okay. So I have one more kind of like question on this vein. And then I, I want to ask you about your podcast. Um, just two quick questions about that. But you, you know, you mentioned you are a cerebral person as well as an emotional person. Do you find that people ever get into this trap? Like, can, is it possible to like overthink this? Yes. Av every day, every day, um, every day. Yes. Okay. So the, the, I think I was mentioning <clears throat> someone I was talking to about a program I'm about to do, and she's done 20 years of work. And she said, I don't know. I'm looking at your stuff. And she's like, I just really think like I've done a lot of work. And I'm like, okay, then why did you apply? <laughs> like I got back on a Zoom call with her and I said, and, and I, I talked about it. And I said, well, the difference is that people, you know, we get to the place where, and I love my brain and I love my intellect and I love my ability to learn and figure things out and connect dots. But that understanding is cerebral. And in order for us to evoke change in our being, we have to physically embody that expansion and change. That has to come from something we do or experience on a cellular level that includes most of our body, not just our head. Um, I think that most people live in their head, for sure. I mean, I can say that without a shadow of a doubt, and are disconnected from their body. I mean, it's why mm -hmm. cancer is so huge, because we are so disconnected from who we are and what goes on inside of us. We're so outwardly focused on what's going on outside of us. And so we compensate by trying to be super controlling of our environments and of other people. And, and we lose touch with our own gifts and our own intuition and our own energy centers giving us information all the time. Our, we, we've been disconnected not only from ourselves, but from anything outside of us that could possibly influence our thinking or our feelings. And I mean that like on a much higher level, not like the world. So yeah, I, I find that most people, which is why I've done doing another program. I said I'd never do another three month again, but now I'm boiling it down to going back to my personal training sort of ways of I can, I, I've created a really awesome cerebral <laughs> core wound map uh, for people with core wounds. But now it's about taking the action regularly that, that rewrite and have, and create neuroplasticity in the brain. So we don't experience the same physicality, the same feelings, the same triggers that those wounds, because we're rewriting the program basically, but it has to come from action. And I hate saying that, Emily, I have been someone resisting because I'm very action oriented. I have so much fire. And so when people in the past would say, I'd see people with their groups or on stages, you know, you got to take action. You got to take action. You got to take action. I'm like, oh, give it a rest. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's not because you can be, you can take action that is out of alignment and it doesn't help you do yeah. anything. So action isn't, action is necessary after you're in alignment. One thing has to come first. <laughs> and, uh, but now I have a whole bunch of people who, or in my community who are who are in alignment a lot of the time, but now need to be pushed into action to do something different. So with your podcast, so you have multiple podcasts, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just like, as a podcaster, I'm just curious about the decision that that 
I'm curious about why you decided to do multiple and kind of how you like have time to do all of those podcasts. Well, I have a network now. It's called Empowering Minds Network. And yeah, I don't, I've lost count of <laughs> how many podcasts are up there because uh, we just launched the Taste of Ohio Experience, Taste of Ohio Experience podcast, Doug and I, and then I have another one with my empowerment strategist that's going to be becoming um, empowered, which will be out probably in the next month or two. So uh, anyway, I have a network and it started out as a six day a week podcast at, on Fit to Love. And I was trying to cram all of my very highly specific information <laughs> into one brand. And that was not going to work. So after mm. about 18 months and 350 episodes, I also wanted to test my content on my podcast. That's kind of why I started it. Like I had no, no need or reason or desire, or I shouldn't say desire. Of course, everyone always desires to make money from their podcast, but that wasn't my initial goal. I first wanted to find out where I should land, like what content am I going to lead with? What do people want to hear? Where where am I getting the most feedback? Where am I you know, attracting people to? And because of my personal training at the time, I was creating a lot of, again, health videos and cooking videos and, and all the stuff that had to do with you know, well-being for them. But then I gave myself my Freedom Fridays, which was my spirituality, law of attraction, intuition, meditation, all the things. That was my kind of guilty pleasure day that I felt that I needed to give myself permission to have because here I am providing all the other things for you people that I know you want these things. And I like those things too, but that wasn't what I wanted to talk about. And then, so my six day week podcast, you know, that's a lot of episodes in 18 months, 350 that's a, episodes. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> right. I was a content mega creator and I still am. I'm a, I'm an idea a minute person. It, content's never an issue for me, but in order for me to really test it, testing and I was a new podcaster, so I didn't know what I didn't know. Putting it all on one podcast, can't you can't test it because you don't know what people, they're not, if they're subscribed, they're getting all of the shows. They're not cherry picking which shows they like better. I mean, they might be, but I don't know it. And there's no data that can show me that. So I had to take those. So I decided to take them and make five new shows. So I just took the existing content and repackaged it into a brand that represented the very specific content on that day of the week and made six new shows. Well, really it was five. And then that then that way I could really test where I was being. And I and it all happened so perfectly. I mean, it unfolded exactly the way you would think in law of attraction because let's because I used it based on I did my very business side. I thought, "Okay, well let's go with right, these I have these things to sell." Oh my God, this is so not the right way to do it, in my opinion. Um, I know every every podcast coach, and I'm a podcast coach too, but I podcast coach from a much different position because everyone's chasing money and I'm never chasing money. Uh, and I make money, but I'm never chasing money and I'm never making decisions based on money. Uh, so that's kind of the different thing. And I like people to really create super fans that will be with you for years and years and years and continue to spend money with you for years and refer you to everybody and grow your show for you so you don't have to market to anybody. That's kind of how I work as a podcast coach, but because that's what I've done. I was taking my six different days of the week or five different shows at the time, and I, only, I put them out in the order of ease. So I said, oh, here's this Freedom Friday. I got, I have no products. I have no lead generation. I've got nothing. Let me put that out into the world because, eh, you know, whatever. It's It was my guilty pleasure. So in October or November of 2016, I put out Spirit, Purpose, and Energy. And I think it had, when I launched it, it was probably, I don't know, maybe 20 or 25 episodes by December. So less than a month, less than six weeks. By December, people were writing to me and saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want more. Where can I find more? What do you have? And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't have anything. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I had to start like creating things. And I had to pull them into a group and get to know who they are and what do they want. And and so that's how it happened. I mean, and Spirit, Purpose, Energy still is my number one most downloaded show. It's the whether someone starts somewhere else, they usually end up there. <laughs> so uh, and that's fine. It's my flagship show. And 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 I love that. And it helped to cultivate the path. It helped to define and clarify my target audience. It helped me streamline and really live my 
teaching and belief system in law of attraction because I just attract. I don't have to, I just have to be and talk about what lights me up and problem solve in ways that like I'm not chasing money and I create something. Like I just put out this application for this three month group I'm doing. And I've had the most amount of applications I've ever had for any group because again, it comes out of people being with me for years. I have listeners who've been with me since the beginning. Now, not everybody because some people came in and liked me better when I didn't have any money and, and I didn't have any, and I had less confidence in certain ways. And as I've been able to be more bold and direct and unforgiving, if you will, um, I don't mean that in a, not, not, not catering. I don't cater. I grow very quickly. And so if you're not on the path with me at some point, I will probably irritate you. And I'm totally fine with that. I have, I'm good with that. I'm the person who's going to disrupt your your patterns because you want change. And if you don't want change, I'm not the right person for you. So um, I was literally just having this conversation earlier with somebody about creating content is like how you learn your message and how you learn what you're what you're even trying to say. So I really love that you just like brought that back up into my second time for me today. So um, okay, and then totally just for fun, like I'd like to know about. Uh, I know I don't I actually I don't know if you have actual children, but do you? Ha- I want to hear about your fur children, and then maybe like a book that you're reading right now. Hmm. I currently do not have children. I have step kind of children. I mean, Doug and I aren't married, as you know. Uh, so I ha- so there's his children. We have five fur babies. We didn't necessarily set out <laughs> for five. And I'm sure you know that story. Uh, I had two when Doug and I got together. And I we then started to rescue kittens. And so we probably fostered and rescued and bottle fed about 25 to 30 kittens. And, but out of that first litter, we kept the only girl that was in that litter, sugar. So then we were a three cat household. Then we moved to Ojai and winter was sort of a neighbor cat. And he sort of showed up and, you know, he's a boy and he's a very special kind of boy. And Doug just (laughs) fell in love with him and all of a sudden became a cat dad. Like I really, I'm very grateful and appreciate that Winter converted Doug into a real cat dad. And then Winter, like not that long ago, a couple months ago, his family got evicted and he wasn't around for like a day. And last time this happened, we freaked out. So we went to go find him and found out that the family was going to have to move. And so we kind of took winter. I mean, we kind of asked if we could help. We didn't steal him. Doug would have paid for him, but we got him. And then because they were being evicted, they had another kitten and they said, can you take her too? And because Doug just wanted winter at any cost, he said, we'll take all the animals. Thank God they didn't give us the dog um, because they had a dog too. And I didn't know that until later. So we, so we have Bella and, and we love Bella. So we love our five fur babies. Wow. Five. Okay. And what are you reading right now? Well, I'm doing a course, actually, a Tantra course, Awaken Your Body, I think it is, with uh, a longtime Tantra teacher of mine. I actually just started it today. So I'm not really reading any book in a linear fashion. I'm doing other kind of coursework and education for myself, but it's coming through video, not a book. I want to say ooh la la, but I feel like I might be mixing Tantra up with Kama Sutra, so... Uh, well, they go, I mean, it's all still sexual energy, but yeah, Karma Sutra is more like, here's a position, (laughs) but uh, Tantra is more, uh, Tantra is really about enjoying and connecting with your body and in life. And it can be anything. You could be just the, the depth at which you could connect to and be with something that you're holding in your hand, like a strawberry doesn't have to be directly related to sex, but it is energetic and, and pleasurable and body centric, if you will. Okay, fun. Maybe my next my next read. Um, all right. How can we find and connect with you online uh, and find your podcast? Okay. Well, let's see. I think I've already mentioned a few things, so I'll just sort of reiterate those. You can go to everything that I mentioned. <laughs> I'll put all no. I'll put all the links in the show notes. I just you know if there's anything you want to like be like this is the first place to start. Well. You asked about manifestation and you've kind of gone from like, okay, for the logical left brainers, you know, the woo part, like, where do I start with that? And so that's my podcast. And I would recommend Spirit, Purpose, and Energy and maybe start at the beginning. (laughs) Okay. So that you're clear that this isn't about a religion uh, and this isn't whatever, whatever. It's just what answer questions. So if you start at the beginning, uh, that would probably be good. You could jump ahead or go back and forth, whatever. 
when it comes to things that I have to offer, I did mention how emotions create, create how emotions affect healing and disease and the three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective. Both of those are master classes that you can get access to. They're free on my website, judgeflazanes.com. So if you're dealing okay. with any kind of physical ailments or chronic illnesses or diseases, or you know somebody that is, definitely how emotion affects healing and disease. And then for anyone who is frustrated that they're not further along with their emotions and you've been in therapy or you've done self-work and you're like, okay, cool, it worked, it helped, it felt good temporarily, but I'm still experiencing the same traumas and triggers and patterns and, and habitual things that I do when I get triggered, then definitely go to three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective. Again, on my website, judgeflazanes.com. Do I have it one second just to connect one more thing? Yes. Because you deal with copywriting in businesses, right? And correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So how do, people can take this information and and categorize it as that's nice. I'll do that on my personal time. <laughs> okay. And and what I want to mm -hmm. say about that is that this information is the fuel to alignment and and leveraging. Law of attraction is about leveraging, which means that you do something one time and it kind of has its own life force and it kind of like a wave, like the ocean, like it keeps going. Like when you're a surfer on a wave you catch the wave, but then yes, you have to try to stay on the board, but you don't make the wave go. The wave does it for you and you ride the wave. So part of law of attraction for me in your work, in your business, in your life, connecting the dots is to find that space where things are a little bit more effortless, where you do something that's so in alignment that it, that's what happened with me with spirit, purpose, and energy. It's because of the energy behind it that it sort of took off and had its own life. I've never really promoted the show. And I do pretty well, so with it, right? And but that's because it had it. It came from a very aligned place in me, and I, that's how I am as a business coach and as a podcast coach and as a person. I would rec please don't separate business and emotions. Your core wounds will make or break your business if you don't deal with them because you will act from that place. So please remember that in using law of attraction, emotional work, blah blah blah, all that to leverage and amplify and simplify whatever message and, and zone of genius you have and whatever gift you're giving into the world that you're also, you know, using for your livelihood. Okay. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for making sure that we got that in here. Uh, yeah. I just don't want people to think, oh, this is nice. Yeah. Well, if I have time, I'll work on my emotions. Uh, no, <laughs> like I'm going to be doing a class about like how your core wounds affect your business. I haven't done it yet, but it's on the docket because people, that's what people think. They think, oh no, this emotional stuff, it just takes too much time. And I'm like, yeah, good luck. Good luck running away from it because your business will, will reflect how you, like how emotionally centered and grounded and healed you are. And don't be surprised if your business reflects back to you all of your core wounds. So that's this, this work is for everybody, especially entrepreneurs and people who are speaking or presenting a message, because it, again, it's that impact that you make when you're totally in alignment and congruent with who you are, your message, your purpose, and a deep sense of trust in, in how it all unfolds. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.